hello and welcome to another episode of Much, Much to, to discuss. discuss. It's a goss podcast, you know that already if you've been listening, Friends of the Pod. Mm-hmm. This week we're talking about things that happened in the last five years. Not just talking about it amongst ourselves. Oh me. yes, this week we have a very special guest on the yeah. show. A friend of the pod, one might say. Drum roll, please. Austin Hughes! Oh my god! My name is Austin Hughes and I need to, I need to, I need to, I need to get up in this much to discuss gig. Oh! oh. Alyssa Edwards for you there, thank you for your time. I'll be leaving Gorgeous. <laughs> I worked so hard for the hour before the podcast and then it just gets taken out for moving. <laughs> that won't be ready by tomorrow. But my plan for tomorrow night is to finish it. I know. We're going to be a day late and hope no one notices. I'm sorry. Don't fire Pretty me. Poor McLean will have my head. <laughs> Our number one stand. God bless him. Austin, will we leave the team? I'll do the honours as guest. Um, I chose for my scandal of the last five years yeah. one singular woman who has enough scandal to span decades. In fact, this kind of does span decades, but it all came out in June 2015. Oh, very. Nice. Cast our minds back. You probably almost definitely have heard of her. Her name is Rachel Dolezal. Oh, <gasps> yes! It's that bitch. Oh. Rachel Dolezal in 2015 was exposed as posing as black. In Spokane, Washington, she was the leader of the NAACP chapter uh, in Spokane and walking out of a store one day and a reporter came running up to her with this picture of a white man and said, excuse me, isn't this your father? And she goes, what? And he says, isn't this man your father? And she said, yes, that's my father. And he said, but isn't this man white? And she said, I don't understand the question. And he said, this man is white and you say you're African-American. And she said, I don't. And then she walked away. Not I don't as in I don't identify. I don't as in like, I don't want to talk about this. But she didn't finish the sentence and she just hit the curb, gone, out of there. So this went very viral, very fast. Um, And it turns out that she was born to two white parents in Montana who adopted four black children when she was a teenager. Somewhere in all this, she starts to get mixed up and thinks, I don't know, I don't want to talk about this insensitively, but she starts identifying yeah. as black somewhere around this mm-hmm. time. She starts presenting as black in 2009 by using skin darkening products and perming her hair and getting her hair braided and moved away from home where she then moved to Spokane and she started like, oh, I'm going to, you know, get involved in black rights. I'm going to start helping the civil rights movement in Spokane. So she becomes the AACP chapter president there. She is credited widely as being an incredible president. She was really successful. She revived the chapter. Everyone said it was kind of one of the dying ones, but she really brought it back to life, gave it new vitality. So everyone was like a huge fan of hers. And she was also then appointed to the Police Ombudsman Council on the City Council as the chair of that council because of her great work at the NAACP. So this was all going really stunning for her. This all starts to come out. The catch as to why this reporter randomly shows up with this picture of her dad that no one had ever really thought of or heard of before was because she was claiming that she was receiving um, hate mail and like racial abuse through the mail. And so she was going to the police with these packages saying, I'm being sent these threatening packages, these threatening letters. Um, 
can you guys do anything about it? And the police were like, oh, let's look into it. And they found that these packages had never been through the postal service ever. There was no stamp, no no address, no nothing. So so they were kind of like, I don't know what this is going on, but this kind of stirred a bit of issue faking it. And that went to, um, they they were covering that story of the chapter president receiving hate mail it started to get dubious, so reporters started to get more dubious, looked into it, found her dad and her mom. They later gave a televised interview, being like, that's our daughter, she's incredibly disturbed, she <gasps> thinks she's black and she isn't, and awesome. we haven't talked to her in years. What age is, is she at this point? Like, she's in like, and about? At that time, she was, I think she was in her 40s. Oh, shit. Late this 40s, early 50s, maybe, two kids. She's two kids. She's two kids. Presumably white. Biological kids. White. Who are so she had them both. She had one with her husband who's black, and then a second the second child was from like a brief relationship, and that man's also black. So the kids aren't like creamy white, let's say. Um creamy white. So yeah, also her brother. So one of her adoptive brothers or her brother that was adopted. Um, wanted to move to Spokane as well, where she was living, when he heard that she was doing great. He showed up and she looked different than when he had lived with her. She said, he said, why do you look different? And she said, don't blow my cover. <gasps> and like, was like, don't you say a fucking word about me not being black, because I'm going to be so mad at you if you do. So he wasn't allowed to say anything. Um, so he had to be super quiet about it the whole time. Um, but he knew. She absolutely resigned as chapter president. Mm. The NAACP really interestingly said that someone's skin colour doesn't matter to the work they do for NAACP. So we're not like pissed that she's white. We're pissed that she was masquerading and mm. to a degree blackfacing um, this whole idea. That's the problem. But in her documentary, she says that her parents were very abusive and that um, the physical abuse kind of made her feel like she was experiencing the same things slaves would have experienced. And that's when she started to identify as a black woman because she felt that was becoming her experience. No. No. Uh, Essentially, no. no. Um, This is also flipped the whole script on it. She went to um, Howard University to study art, which is a predominantly black majority university that was kind of set up when black people weren't allowed into white universities or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and she tried to sue them for racist abuse against her as a white woman in 2009. Uh, she said that she wasn't given scholarships because she was white. She said that she wasn't uh, offered teaching positions because she was white. And she said that in the final year art show, her art was moved to the back of the room. Uh, in favour of African-American students having their art moved to the front of the room. So she tried to sue them on all these things. The court said, none of this has any basis and you have to pay the legal fees (gasps) for this university. So now she's in trouble.com. Then she starts doing all the skin altering and all that kind of messing. Goes Mm -hmm. into the NACP. It all comes out. She's in the bin. It goes, absolutely, the whole world has something to say. In the bin. In the bin, literally in the racial bin, the whole world had so much to say about it. I don't know this. How do I not? How have I never? Did you not hear about this? This is nearly my dissertation. Oh no, Emma, I've seen her. She's crazy. I want to see a picture. Give her a Google there, you'll see her. Obviously, if she told her brother, like, don't blow my cover, she Mm -hmm. knows that she's not black. I thought the whole thing was that she identified and fully, like, believed that she was. To this day, she says that she fully identifies as black, 100%. 
That's but there's also the thing. whole thing where it's like, I like she could be like, I know that I'm not biologically African American, but I identify as such. Yeah, and that's the difference. Yeah. And also sometimes, when you tell yourself something enough, you just start to believe it. Big time, this energy. Yeah. Also. The, she was raised like in the middle of the woods, basically. There was very little outside contact with, she was homeschooled the whole time. Oh, so she yeah. was very, and if these parents were abusive, if the parents were abusive, it's kind of up and down. She mm-hmm. did get custody of one of her adopted brothers, the one that she went on later to um, kind of coerce into silence about her okay. true identity or whatever, um, because he went to the courts and asked to be emancipated because citing like abusive behavior from his parents. And his parents agreed. They were like, yeah, we're not challenging this. That's fine. Wait, but surely, like, the court should have taken all the children away. If these are adopted children. This is the thing. It was later, so they weren't... Okay. Yeah. They were, I think the kid was, like, maybe 17 when he asked to be emancipated. Okay. Um, so it was some... There was kind of like, it didn't have to get looked into. I think he was the younger one. However, another one of the brothers says that there was never abuse, and that's completely fabricated. Okay. So, hard to say. Two saying yes, one saying no. Mm. We'll never really know. They did seem, they do seem weird, but I feel like anyone who voluntarily lives in a woods uh, and adopts yeah. four kids on top of having a child, mm. there's a lot going on. There's a lot of energy there. I would love to know how they got the approval for kids on kids on kids in this like shack in, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that um, seems like that wouldn't happen. It shouldn't. No, happen. it would. That was the thing. So then another. A secondary scandal that was spawned out of this was this idea of transracialism and can if people could be transgender, can you be transracial? Oh no. This was the shitstorm. This was the, oh, another no. whole shitstorm. Um, especially because just before she was kind of exposed, caught out, whatever, her story broke, Caitlyn Jenner had just come out as transgender. Literally a few months before that. So it was very much in the popular discussion yeah. about identity politics and where people think feel they identify and how much society has to respect that because apparently it's up for debate. I don't know why. Um, but a woman called Rebecca Tovell wrote an article called In Defense of Transracialism, where she wrote this big thing down as to why it should be totally respected um, if someone wants to identify as black, white, Asian, whatever, you're, you're in your rights to do that if you truly feel like that because we accept transgenderism. So transgenderism, which is also a word we're not really yeah. accepting. Tovel was uh, quickly identified as um, transphobic, crazy, racist, and stupid. Oh. And the article was called oh. Violent Crap and Whack Shit. Oh. Uh, <laughs> It, that caught on fire big time. And it, the what great shit. thing about this was the world of philosophy was spinning out of control as a result of this one woman in Washington because she published the article in a, an academic journal on philosophy. Oh. So she wasn't really making a personal defense for Rachel Dolezal. She was like, in the theories of identity politics that we talk about in philosophy, here's an argument that says that transracialism is a valid experience. What else did she do? What else did she do? I want to know. Uh, in 2006, she claimed she had cervical cancer. Her family say there are no records of her ever having cervical cancer or going for checks. In 2015, she identified as bisexual um, and suffering from PTSD and decided to disclose that um, she was raped by a mentor in her college. Uh, but she was unable to sue him. She never named this professor. We've no idea if any of it happened. That was all in one article that came out about two months before everything else started happening. So it was like just yeah. before it kind of came before the storm. 
in February 2017, she applied for food stamps uh, because she couldn't find work basically after all this because no one wanted to associate with her. Um, so she applied for food stamps. In May 2018, a year and like three months later, she was charged with second degree perjury and felony theft by welfare fraud. Uh, she said that she was making less than $500 a month, basically, which is what the um, cutoff point is to receive food stamps. Mm -hmm. uh, but she wrote a book about her experience called In Full Colour, and she received three and a half grand a month in revenue from this book sale. No. Nope. Uh, so she received $9,000 in falsity or falsehood um, from the state and had to repay it and did 120 hours of community service. Then she was selling art. No! <laughs> she is an artist, you must remember. She did go to college to study art. Uh, she sold pieces when she was a student for the value of $10,000. No. But she made some coin. She's still selling art on her website now that you can buy, ranging between $450 to $1,800. But she was accused of plagiarism. Um, she apparently... <laughs> she painted... <laughs> She painted a painting called The Shape of Our Kind, which depicts a slave ship in kind of in stormy no. seas and people being thrown overboard. No. And somebody said, this looks an awful lot like a painting called The Slave Ship by J.M.W. Turner. And when you look at the two pictures side by side, it is the same painting. There is no question about it. Like, there is just no debate. It is the same no. painting. This started another shitstorm in the world of art critiques because people were saying, well, all good artists steal from other artists. So she's no. just doing that. Not the the counter argument was you can't steal exactly what the person did and then try and sell it as your own. And even when you're being inspired, you should always reference them in, you know, like uh, your bio or whatever, like give a shout out where it's due. And she did not. Oh my God, they're literally the same. Yeah. They're the exact same painting. I hope everyone who's listening is also Googling. It's the shape <laughs> of our kind and the slave ship. The same oh painting. God. She's wild. She changed her name. The, my final favorite thing was she changed her name to Nacheki Amari Diallo. Um, what? Because, huh? What was her name again? The name she changed to was Nacheki Amare Diallo, which had various meanings um, that I didn't investigate. And she changed it for legal reasons and so she could put them on job applications so that people wouldn't instantly go like, oh, it's Rachel Dolezal. However, she is Rachel Dolezal still in her Netflix film where um, that concludes with her changing her name. So anyone who's watched it would know that's uh, her. Uh, it's on her Wikipedia article. So if you search her name, Rachel Dolezal is the first thing that comes up. Um, and her Instagram accounts, she has three. Uh, Rachel Dolezal, Rachel Dolezal Art, and Rachel Dolezal Hair. All yes. works with her image. Yeah, she's still, she works as a hairdresser part-time. Um, she's 44,000 followers on her main. Today she posted a picture of her feet and it got 850 likes. Oh! And is, she, is she still identifying as black? Absolutely. 110%. I mean, she must live an exciting life you know she's doing things she she's doing for herself she's keeping the hustle up big time she must be exhausted yeah i don't know how she does it but also i think it takes a certain amount of energy to power that kind of activity and we know she's energetic because she went out there and she her work in the naacp was revolutionary and everyone was like buzzing about it so she's obviously got like a hustler in it big time mm. i can't believe literally everything she does ends in controversy fraud yeah. isn't it insane controversy but also like big ethical debates huge i think she kind of got away with murder because of the fact that 
everything she did launched into bigger conversations. Mm-hmm. But she was kind of forgotten or she just kind of became a bit of a like example piece that would yeah. lead to big conversations around the topics it brought up. But mm-hmm. like it never really stayed on her. Yeah. Um, which it probably could have afforded to a bit. And do you think, like, do you think she's doing all this for attention? Like, what do you think is like, not to be, but I'm a cheerleader about it, but what's the route here? Yeah. What happened? Listen, it's anyone's guess. The, there was like a lot of stuff saying like, oh, she's mentally ill. This must be mental illness that's manifesting in this kind of identity. And a lot of people being like, that's not fair. Um, and there's no basis for that. Um, it's just, it gets messy because nearly all the conversations about it compare it to being transgender. Yeah. Which yeah. the arguments there got so wild and outrageous. Uh, the kind of the crux of the thing for me was why trans racism doesn't hold up is the, a white person can always go back to being white mm-hmm. and receive and like regain white privilege, it can always yeah. just be picked up. Whereas a black person doesn't have an option to transition to being white. No, like that doesn't. That's just not available to them. So that for me is kind of where I'm like, that doesn't really add up. Because I think the the difference with transracialism and being transgender is that like gender is something that you could be either of at birth, but like if you've got two white parents, there's not going to be a Latino child. Mm. Not how it works. Yeah, her whole idea of I was abused as a child so we're slaves i am a slave it's just like yeah no you're not like i don't want to deny anyone's experience but it's just a bit of an outrageous leap it's just it's so hard to have a a comfortable opinion on it but there is definitely buckets of scandal to be had around her and i'm almost excited to see what comes next yeah oh my god what a good one very good. Very awesome, good. Thanks very much, guys. Come race chaser. Here we have a friend of the pod, Austin Hughes. <laughs> Do you have any? We don't have any enemies of the pod yet. 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 I think JT might be an enemy of this pod. Yeah. Who JT. is? JT. Like. Oh yeah. And that's this pod declaring him an enemy, not him declaring himself an enemy. Yeah. Or a sworn enemy, Justin Timberlake. No, we're saying he's an enemy of the pod. Certified bona fide bin man. Didn't you say certified boner? And I was like, ooh. <laughs> certified boner. No, no, no. Boner killer. Boner killer. Boner killer. Boner killer. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Sorry. Hello. Okay. Oh, Emma, interrupt me from the start. (laughs) Mute her. Mute her. I'm so sorry. Oh, she's gone. Hey, I'm back. This is like Emma's the Little Mermaid and we're all Ursula ready to steal her voice. Oh, my God. So here's what I need you to know. I was like, the last five years, so much has happened. I can't remember. I thought the last five years also was until 2016. It was a very rough weekend for me. So I was like, I can't remember anything that happened, do do do. And then it hit me. My all-time favorite scandal of all time happened in 2017. And that, boys and girls, <laughs> is Leah Michelle can't read. <laughs> yes, when I, I was a different person. It was a 40-minute Facebook video, as we all know, broke. <laughs> it broke 
not on the internet, but me personally as a person. Me and Ferdy Emmett, I remember where I was when I saw it. Me and Ferdy Emmett were watching TV. Ferdy says, I'm wrecked, I gotta go to bed. I stay up to watch this video. And I've never been the same since. It unlocked something in me that will never be closed. So I was like, I have to talk about it. I'm going to get emotional about it. This was the making of who I am. But the thing is, and I'm not saying it was Leah Michelle that did this because obviously, you know, she has her struggles using the internet, but someone has taken down the 40 minute video. Oh. Oh, oh wow. And thus, like, like the historians before us, like social archaeologists, I have to piece it back together with the fractured parts of my mind and give it to the children. Yes. Because this yes. cannot die. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'd also like to say video. from the top that I'm not making fun of illiteracy. That is a huge problem. And I'm sorry if anyone's affected by that. This goes all the way to the top. This is just like, <laughs> she has to cover so many bases to stop this from getting out. And she did it all unsuccessfully. <laughs> so let's start from the start. I'm so excited. I've heard tell of this and I'm really excited to hear an expert on the subject. Now, there are some parts that I've missed out because I've not been good to myself over the years. But <laughs> <laughs> let me start from the start. What happened was there was a little podcast called One More Thing with Jay Hunt and Robert Ackerman. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they decide that of a Wednesday, they're going to publish a 40 minute Facebook video breaking down the theory that Lee Michelle cannot read or write. And this <laughs> blew up over the months. I don't know what happened to their podcast since. Or IP, maybe. I don't know. So it's no longer online. We're all devastated. Here's where it started. Here's the origin. Naya Rivera, she writes a book. The book is called Sorry Not Sorry. It's a tell-all autobiography. And she is not kind to Lee Michelle in the book. There's a few choice things, but mainly she's giving out that Lee Michelle is a brat and that she won't improvise She's so hard to work with. When something goes wrong, she has an absolute strop and goes into her trailer. And that there's one particular incident where they have like a very famous co-star on, a special guest, I don't know who. Let's say Christian Chenoweth comes on and she decides she's going to riff and like add to the script, do a little improv. Lee Michelle goes off on one, goes into her trailer crying. Everyone's like, and they can't move on with the day. Naya Rivera is sick of this bullshit. Also, because I imagine Lee Michelle runs everything on set. Mm. Mm -hmm. so after the book was released in 2016 reporters are always asking Michelle about this they're like what is your response to this is this true just seem to say to Naya and her only response every time is read the book and reporters are often like no no I I have read the book have you read the book and then she'll say read the book and then like Leah Michelle can you confirm whether or not you've read the book and so these two are like the two podcasters are like this is very strange we need to know Maybe she can't read the book. We need to know if she read the book or not. And I think it's because she's illiterate. They went right there and then they found all the evidence on the way to back them up. Oh. Here's what happens. Lee Michelle, as we know, starts out on Broadway very young. So she's taken out of school and she learns her lines by being taught them by her parents. She can't read. Then she's like blowing up and she's like getting part after part. There's no time to go back to school because Broadway is calling. And there's no time to stop and learn how to read because it'll take too long. So she just keeps learning her lines, you know, by being told them hourly, orally, that kind of situation. And this pretty much never stops and she never stops to learn how to read, is the theory. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Here's what happens. She is doing this so well, she moves on from Fiddler on the Roof to Spring Awakening. She starts out in Les Mis, like she's a big star. So what happens is she wants to move on to television. And so Ryan Murphy is a hotshot writer, director, I don't know his full title, 
executive producer. So he gets in touch and he's like, I want her for my show. But her parents are like, we need you to know that she cannot read. Ryan Murphy's like, I will take the secret to my grave. So what he does is he teaches her the script the way her parents do. And it's a secret between them and the little NDA he never tells anyone. So that's why she refuses to improvise on Glee because she only knows the script the way it's been taught to her. So for someone to try to improvise or, or do something, she feels vulnerable. She feels caught out. She's like, Ryan, you promised this would never happen to me. So she goes to her trailer to cry. Only Ryan can calm her down. This happens throughout Glee. Everyone's also claiming that they never really see her like reading the music for Glee or reading the lyrics. She just learns it that way. Like someone sings it to her and she sings it back. And they'll always say to the other cast members that Lee is too busy. She doesn't have time to learn the songs another way. But that's part of the job. It doesn't make sense. Why is yeah. she giving this out that no one else is? Mm. So then the podcasters go into this and they're like, we need to see more proof of this. And pretty much Lee Michelle, one of the, one of the big arguments for Lee Michelle being able to read and write is that she has written a book. That's a good I believe she, the book is very little words and it's all photos from her own Instagram. It's more like a coffee table book, oh. but it was advertised like an autobiography. Okay. And there's no words in it. It's all just photos from her Instagram. And here's something else about her Instagram. I know you're wondering, isn't she very active online? Doesn't she have to put captions to things? No. If you look at Leah Michelle's Instagrams, she's obviously changed it up now because she was outed. Yeah, it has changed. All of her Instagram captions were emojis. The only times that you see her with a caption on is when there's someone else in the photo with her. So clearly they're like, Leah, give me the phone. And they write it out. Or... They actually did a very good expose about the amount of times Jonathan Groff was in New York and that is when she would have a caption with words. Because oh. as we know, Jonathan Groff grew up with her on Spring Awakening. So he would know all about her inability to read. Yes, he would. Also, there's something else we should note. Lee Michelle only ever seems to work with Ryan Murphy. Almost like the secret can't get out to other people. Mm. And he's the only one that will work with her the way that she needs to be worked with. And then when she's presenting on award shows, she always has a co-presenter. She's never on her own. And if you watch the clips, and they are very funny to watch, she never says what's on the piece of paper. She always waits for them to start talking. And then she'll be like, blah, 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 alongside them. And if you look at her signings and, yeah. and, and pictures of her signing things, the pen is never touching the paper. And she always seems to have like a pre-written, pre-signed stack of photos. Like someone else did it for her before she got in. No okay. one gets customized messages on their autographs. And then also, if you look at a 2015 segment that happened on Ellen, the cast play Cards Against Humanity and Most Likely To. And you can openly see her struggling to pick out a card from, from Cards Against Humanity. She's like the last up to the board. Her answers aren't funny. They don't really make sense. And then at one point she does win and Kurt turns to her and goes, oh, well done, Leah. So patronizingly, because he knows she struggled and if you look at her face looking through the cards she's not laughing she's just like ah, she's just like picking anything randomly she hasn't oh. a notion and leah did respond to these oh did she oh, yeah. she responded on twitter, twitter saying i loved reading black capitals all of your like jokes and all of your opinions Anyone can use her Twitter for her, as we've yeah. seen by everyone using her Instagram. Because people were like, oh, this proves she can read and write because she wrote this tweet. And everyone's like, how do you know that she wrote this tweet? I think that is just more and more convincing with mm -hmm. every example. Yeah, I was fully ready to be like, that's a cute idea. But now I'm like, Leah Michelle can't read. 
Mm. See, I would highly recommend, like I really wish I could still find the 40 minute video online because at the beginning of it, I, I was laughing. I was like, whatever. I'd say at the, just the 10 minute mark, I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh no. I was like, Wait. this is fully, yes, this is correct. Was there not another part of it? Because I, because you told, did tell me this a few years ago, and um, but was there another part of the video where yeah. she was on some talk show or something, and they were like, just to like prove you can read, read this thing, and she read it wrong. Yeah, there's been multiple times where people are like, lol, obviously, like why don't you write something on this piece of paper? Like why don't you read it this little thing? And she struggles really hard. And you could be like, oh, I guess that's stage right. But it's like, you're a professional. You don't have stage right. She must know how to read and write by now. Surely you have been that busy lately. Yeah. I haven't heard She's pregnant? Yeah. Is the baby going to learn to read or write? (laughs) Yeah, probably. Um, I'm Michelle. Uh, When we were in New York a few years ago, our friend Jade saw her with her mom in a card shop. And Jade said, I think Jade said, I don't have the best memory, but I feel like I remember Jade saying that she would only stop on the cards that were like predominantly pictures. Didn't that happen? Well, yeah, it was something about like, because we were, because I remember me and Jade had heard this theory from Julie. Mm. So we were like, I was like, was she reading? And Jade was like, to be honest, her mom was reading for her. So I don't know. That's why she was with her mom in the card shop. But then again, are we projecting? Possibly. Possibly. But also... Also, is that what Leah wants you to do? Yeah. Yeah. There's no denying that she's, she's very talented. I only wish her well. <laughs> You're the Leah Michelle now. Leah? <laughs> I'm the Leah Michelle. Julie can't read. Julie's going to offend her earpiece. <laughs> Crimes across the room. She's feeding it into me. <laughs> Even though last week we said we weren't going to do anything heavy, I accidentally did something heavy because I forgot that we said you that. Put that you put that rule in. You put that rule in. You put that rule in. It's not too heavy. Pretty. Oh, I'm That's very nervous. From one to German cam- cannibalism. Oh no, no, it's not that German cannibalism. There's no. That death. wasn't heavy. That was very strange. That was Judy, like, I was, kind of a lot. That was so heavy. I was gardening listening to you discuss two men try and eat one of their penises and it was, oh. it was just so much apparently Port McLean had like just made cookies and then couldn't eat them <laughs> okay so I am doing the scandal that I completely forgotten about but then as I was reading about it, I remembered it straight away of the President's Club which is um, a big charity event that was held every year since 1985 in London um, raised huge amounts of money for like Disability Rights International, Olympic Association, Great Ormond Street, among others. Um, I think it raised around £20 million since it started. And it had some of the most rich and powerful people in the UK all come to one big gala event. The catch was that it was only men. Dun, dun, dun. So Johnny Gold announced as he took to the stage to host the auction, in 2018, welcome to the most un-PC event of the year. Oh, hell. Oh, one Edward. Um, the auction... That was Julie walking had... into the ice cream shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not very PC. There's rowdy in there. So the auction had loads of big prizes, such as lunch with Boris Johnson, 
tea with the governor of the Bank of England oh, and to be able to name a character in David Williams' next book. Oh, buzzing. <gasps> David Williams is involved. So, on January 23rd in 2018, the Financial Times published an expose of all that happened at the event and shit hit the fan. Oh. So... There were 130 specially hired hostesses, of which the Financial Times journalists were. They were told to wear skimpy black outfits, high heels, and matching underwear. Oh no. Oh no. At the event and the after party, uh, many of the hostesses were groped, propositioned, and sexually harassed. No. The hostesses reported, you know, hands being put up skirts. Um, one said that a man exposed his penis to her. Oh! Yeah. There were also a lot of um, prizes that weren't exactly the nicest of things. One was an exclusive night for 100 people at a strip club um, with first lap dance free. Oh, cute. Yeah. And some champagne and a smoked salmon bellini. So, you know. Another was um, for some plastic surgery um, with the comment, add spice to your wife. No! 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 no. Add spice to your wife? Yeah. That's spice up your wife? Spice up your wife. They really missed it there. Judy, you should have worked with these people. That's how you know it was all fucking men running the club. Yeah. So all the hostesses had to play, had to sign a five-page non-disclosure agreement um, that they didn't have time to read. That basically said that they couldn't discuss anything that happened at the event. The 130 hostesses um, were paraded into the room from either side of the stage, from um, tallest to smallest, to the Little Mix song "Power," so that all men could get a good look at them. They were then went to their assigned tables, where lots of men started to just hold their hands, stand up and talk to them, flirt with them. Um, and their job was to keep all the men at the table entertained and bring them drinks. There were security guards at the bathrooms with timers. And if the hostess had spent too much time in there, the security guards went in told them they had to go back out or they weren't oh. paid. Mental. This yeah. is exactly like that in The Handmaid's Tale where they go to that club. Mm. The men's club and they all the women are in there and they're only laying in the bathroom for like 10 minutes and then the men just like, you know, take advantage of them. Yeah. This um, is like a horror film. Yeah. yeah. So there was a big um, after party in another room of the hotel and all the women had to stay until at least 2 a.m. I think they were only paid 80 quid. And what a did you pay for 80 quid? Pound. Sorry, no, it was 150. But still. Still not enough That's to be able For one night's work. One night's work. And, and a 25 pound taxi home. Oh my God. I'd say none of, none of it is worth that. None booked of it. out at 2 a.m. Literally 130 women come crashing out the door. Yeah, but there was something, I think it was 360 men. No. Yeah. There was that many men involved in this. Yeah. Lord. Oh, it's also a case of like 150. Like, there's no amount of money that would make this all right. No. 150, like, if you were to a high class place and there were tips involved, you could do that mm. and in a safe environment. Yeah. But what so, year is this? It was 2018. Oh, yeah. no. And has really the same thing happened? Has this same thing happened every year since the beginning? So lots of people have come out and said, oh, God, when I went, it was never like this. And a lot I'm of people sorry. who were on the guest list um, said that they weren't there. They didn't see any of this. 
like that houseboat situation I spoke about. Yeah, Literally. exactly. Mm-hmm. So the charity itself was disbanded the next day after the article was published. They just shut themselves day. down. Yeah. So there was huge media uproar about this and what it was saying and in the year of Me Too and all those kind of commentaries coming out. There was no police investigation and there were almost no consequences for any of the people who were rumoured to be there because there was no proof that they were there. The only confirmed person at the event was David Williams. Um, oh, Austin, you loved him. Who, no, 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 no. But in fairness, he was hosting the event. So he wasn't... Uh, he wasn't one of the attendees, he was only up on stage. Um, obviously, when he signed up, uh, he didn't know what he was getting into. Mm, yeah. I think he's weird. Yeah. Um, I don't think only he writes the, kids' books. Yeah, kids books. The only consequence that came out of it was that some bookshops stopped selling his books. Good. But like oh. everyone else, all the attendees who actually like paid money, who were there at the after party. And who organized the whole thing. Yeah. They're obviously like famous people as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rumoured to be there was um, Peter Jones and Theo Fafitas from Dragon's Den. Mm, Get in the bed. Uh, Lots of like, you know, property people. I think lots of big, powerful London. That's a big mess. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't believe David Williams was there. I know. Oh, Gino DeCampo. He was another one. Oh, Gino DeCampo. Jesus. My mom would be so sad. See the one this morning? Is that him? Yeah. <gasps> His grandmother was a bike. That man. That man. How absolutely grim and greasy do you have to be to be like, oh, this is going to be such a good night out. Let's relive our terrifying oh. private boys' school experiences. Yeah. I really thought this was going to go in the direction of like someone put a penis in a pig. No. <laughs> As they are off to do. Oh, well, they could have done. Just not the year that the FT Probably did, just wasn't, you know. Yeah, they didn't spot it. it. And so, sorry, how did this all come out? Just that, like, some of the girls spoke to the news, or where? No, so I think there'd been, you know, word that this was a bit strange, this all-male fundraiser. So the Financial Times sent in two undercover journalists to work the night. And to, As to, hostesses. As hostesses, yeah. Very brave women. Yeah. But I suppose they didn't know what they were getting themselves. You know, they might have actually just been going to this big party. That mm. just but when it. you're told to wear matching underwear, I think yeah. that there's a... Yeah. Mm. That's a... I have questions. Yeah. There were... One of the women said that this was the fourth year that she'd done it. And she was like, I don't know why I'm back. Yeah. What's that about? But, so apparently lots of the women um, said that they were going to use it as an opportunity to, like, flirt with high-profile men and get powerful jobs. Yeah, okay. And a few, yeah, of, the, a few of the hostesses said they got jobs as said on the night that they've been offered a job. But what kind of job? Yeah. And at what cost? Yeah. And oh. yeah, and if that's how it starts, where's it going to go from there? Yeah. Mm. I would love to know if, because obviously they asked them all to sign NDAs mm. and then technically these two journalists broke that NDA, yeah. that they would be liable in a gas sense. But then when this kind of thing gets out, it's a scandalous. I mean, the last thing they could do is press charges. Yeah. Against the women yeah. that spoke up. So you but think I, that everyone else would come forward then and start? You'd think it would be a free-for-all. Yeah, you think everyone would, once that kind of thing is shattered. Yeah. But I guess, I mean, there are, like, you never know the people that are working these things that, like, need to stay anonymous and that, that is their gig and stuff and go in public read that kind of thing would damage their livelihood. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's such a big thing, like, 
around the corner from where I was in London, there was a strip club that was like 15 minute walk from the middle of the city. And just the amount of like men in suits that would be queuing up with like such a look of glee on their face that they were going. And it is like, it's just such a weird culture of objectification and mm-hmm. oh look at this money I can throw this money and I will get what I want have you seen Hustlers yes I was just going to say that no, no I haven't it is literally guys oh. you so need good. to see it it's great there's such a really um, there's such an interesting part of it where they talk about like the change in like the strip club scene mm-hmm. um, and then like it used to be a case of like you know there was no touching there was no this there was no um, propositioning, all that kind of stuff. There was like set rules and boundaries. And then with immigration and with the like economic collapse or whatever, they had all of these girls coming in that were, you know, possibly immigrants. That's kind of how they represent in the film, but also just to imagine some of them were American as well, that they allow like touching or they allow sexual acts because people were desperate for money and like that was the new culture. And that all of the girls who you know, came up through the scene when it was a more, say, respectable place, were very, like, just caught off unaware, and they were like, I, I, don't I can't do perform those kind of tasks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just mad that, like, there weren't really any consequences for it. And like, enough powerful room, rich yeah. man in a room, yeah. there can be as many or as few consequences as those men want, and that's that. Yeah. And that's the end of it, Like and everyone was like, you know, the death mask, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think it would fit on your face? No. Wait no, <laughs> for Halloween. Oh. My favorite thing was like Carly being like looking into, it, being like, oh my god, it's the spits of Fairly, isn't it? And you'd be like, how drunk are you? No, it isn't. It was after a rough night out. I too look like Robert Emmett's death mask. <laughs> <laughs> so I've done. Uh, I've chosen Kendall Jenner, mm-hmm. and I have done scandals. There are scandals from the last five years, and there's an awful lot of them. All of them. She's the most boring one. She okay. has so many. Some of them you will definitely remember. Some of them you may not. The first one, 2016, Kendall Jenner did a ballerina photo shoot for Spanish Vogue. There was also like a video release that she put in her Instagram before like the photo shoot was released, kind of about how like whimsical she is, you know, and just a normal girl, and it was her wearing like point shoes but like not doing ballet at all it was so bad like it's so bad she just like looks terrible because <laughs> she obviously has no ballet training so she got like huge backlash from like ballerinas everywhere all over the country <laughs> being like what the hell why did they not get an actual ballerina to do this and then also just the fact that and they were like, this is kind of appropriating ballet culture because it's such a high art form. And people ballet train. culture? And apparently. This is what people oh, think about it. Saying that it's people train for like, you know, eight to ten hours a day, seven days a week for this. For years of their life, they put in so much work. And then to have Kendall Jenner prance around with the shoes on. <laughs> um, but they were saying... and made it seem like it, to do ballet was just like a childish thing and like not really serious and just... According to Kendall, she was like, I literally turned up and they, I didn't know that that was the theme of the photo shoot. So they just like put me in it and I just went with it, which seems to be a theme for her life, being like so Took them shoes off, got their knives out and went. Oh, they went off. No, the knives are in the shoes. If you remove the point of the knife. (laughs) (laughs) 
throwing it's stuff. Just, the video is like a little bit tragic though. Cause she oh, doesn't God. like, it just like seems like so unnecessary for her to be even to be doing ballet in the video. Cause it just like makes no sense. And the weirdest thing about it was that a week before she had done a Marc Jacobs runway and they were all wearing dreads. They all had dreadlocks. Oh. And there was some controversy about that. But then what was mad was that then this ballet thing was released like a week later, two weeks later, and people went nuts about this ballet thing and kind of forgot about the Mark Jacobs thing. But then, uh, so then Kendall's next uh, controversy, 2017, oh, no. was when uh, the Pepsi ad came out. Yeah. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> Loved it. Which I don't know if you remember, but it's her getting a photo shoot taken she's wearing this like blonde wig and then she sees this like protest go by but it looks like the most fun protest ever where everyone is like smiling like they're doing like you know that silent disco train thing where everyone's like mm-hmm. dancing outside like following around and then she's like oh my god I might join that so then she like picks up a can of Pepsi and joins the crowd makes her way to the front when they see all these police officers standing there she goes up and offers a offers him the can of Pepsi he opens it and hey well, peace. <laughs> That's why I always have a can of Pepsi on me, you know. You can't walk through yeah. a dodgy neighbourhood without one. Mm-hmm. Girls gotta have one. I had a can of Coke one time and that's when I got shot. <laughs> <laughs> Very tough. Oh, no. Obviously, this is way worse than the ballet thing. So this, like, got, like, huge backlash. I remember this. This was, like, mad. I just think it's amazing that it got up through Pepsi. Like, got all the way out of Pepsi. Yeah. But what's, yeah, what's also... Said. Yeah, it's it's actually crazy. And to think that, like, obviously, Pepsi have done, like, ads with Beyonce and stuff before. Mm. You know, which... Have... So I guess, like, if you're, like, you're going to do a Pepsi ad, you're like, woo, buzzing. Mm. I guess. But, so, a lot of people were like, this is, you know, very similar to the Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah. And it looks like when she hands the can to the police officer, it's almost exactly shot, almost exactly the same as the photo taken mm-hmm. of um, a real life instance in Louisiana where a woman named Aisha Evans stood in front of police protesters during a Black Lives Matter protest. But uh, she was arrested, you know, immediately mm-hmm. after doing that. And uh, there was so many like comments and stuff on Twitter being like, oh, she just forgot her can of Pepsi. She should have <laughs> just gonna say that. If only she'd known she should have brought her Pepsi can with her. Then also, um, Bernice King, who is um Martin Luther King's daughter, tweeted being like, "If only Daddy would have known the power of hashtag Pepsi." <gasps> yes, Bernice, you better work. Go for oh it. Oh my God! In all the wrong ways. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So then. Kendall Jenner, there was no like radio silence from her when after the thing came out, and then six months later, in the like premiere episode of the new season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, it was like her big like apology and like stuff came out then, which people was were like, is this just a big kind of another like publicity thing to get people to watch the new episode where it's like Kendall comes clean about the Pepsi ad or whatever. Okay, another twenty seventeen scandal for Kendall. This also included Kylie. So they started. Um, so they were sued for selling t-shirts oh, with yes, their faces yes. superimposed over images of Biggie Smalls and Tupac along with other no. yeah along with other different celebrities but the you know 
Biggie Smalls ones and Tupac were the worst because obviously with their assassinations and all of that. Uh, and they were selling the t-shirts for $125. <laughs> no, no. $125 for a Photoshop t-shirt? Photoshop t-shirt, <laughs> yeah. Of their faces superimposed. No, like not okay, not well. Biggie's mother, Valetta Wallace, was really upset Thank and said she was disgusted, disgusted by this whole thing and threatened legal action if they didn't stop the sale of these t-shirts. Her lawyer then sent a cease and desist to the two of them. So they had to stop selling the t-shirts straight away, but then they were also sued by Big Small's estate. And then also then, so that was kind of the start of it. And then Tupac's photographer, Michael Miller, also sued them because he took the photo of Tupac that was on the t-shirt. So he was like, that's my image. Stunning. He sued them as well. But then that was, that was then later dropped. So we don't know whether there was some sort of payoff that wasn't. Yeah, there was some sort of settlement made. Can you imagine you were their PR people? You would never get a day off. No. Have a good night's sleep. Your phone is constantly on. And they're like, you'll never guess what Kendall's done now. And you're like, she's meant to be the boring one. <laughs> the boring one. Um, so then another, so then we're into 2018, where um started off uh, with a, an Afro photo shoot in Vogue. Stop going like out doing herself every time, isn't she? How do you keep ending up? Why is it always you? Why is it always you? She's Kendall yeah. Jenner. Like she can say no. She yeah. doesn't even have to work, does she? No. To be honest, definitely not. No. Her net worth's like thirty million or something. She's stuck now. She would never have to work. Ah. Oh. In 2018, again, Kendall received huge backlash. You probably have heard this one for saying that she is super selective when it comes to what modeling jobs she takes. Mm. And she quote said, "I was never one of those girls who would do like 30 shows a season." So obviously this got huge backlash from the modeling industry being like, yeah, we're all not all that privileged that we can just choose when we want to work and when we don't want to work. Also, if she's being really selective about all these jobs, how does she keep selecting the ones that end up in all this <laughs> Exactly. Happens? So ironic considering she's so picky, <laughs> apparently. And yet she still manages to pick jobs that are really culturally insensitive. <laughs> it just makes no sense. One more thing from Kendall Jenner in 2019, um, where she... Um, they, her and Chris were like posting this like big build up on Instagram being like Chris being like oh when my baby yes. releases this and yes. it's, it's like the most vulnerable she's ever been and you're really gonna you know wow. see the true Kendall uh, Kenny and we're so proud of her Kenny. Like, this is like <laughs> the least sexy nickname alright Ken and oh, Kendall being like oh yeah this is like I can't believe I've done this this was so difficult for me and it was literally Literally a proactive ad for like skincare. Girl. So <laughs> she could have at least thrown in that she has like IBS. <laughs> yes. Just to make it worth our time. <laughs> <laughs> but then some people came out and said that she doesn't use the face wash, that she's yeah, used have you seen the videos. Yeah, so then it's also then then there was all this controversy that when she was doing like the tutorial that apparently she was washing her face too quickly and dermatologist said that you need to wash your face for longer than that and she was like barely like splashing some water on it. So funny. Penny. She's just like Julie, as you say, like she is the boring one, but somehow she has the most entertaining scandals. She just she just can't help herself. She's just involved constantly. I'm obsessed with this this continuous streak of like I just arrived and I I didn't know I didn't yeah. know and it sounds like she literally just 
wakes up in the morning, gets into a car, gets driven somewhere, and then she's like, oh my God, what? And like, no one's, no one's expecting anything to pour a candle. And she's like, I guess, guess I'm getting an afro on. And it's like, would you never, would you never be like, what's happening? Or it's like they blindfold her, gag her, put an afro on her head, and then they, they're like, don't look in the mirror. And they just take the photos of her. I didn't know. I didn't know. Like, she gets home and they're like, all right, Kendall, what you do today? And she's like, <laughs> they're like, what do you mean? Where have you been? She's like, God, I, I couldn't tell you at all. Kendall's been gone for 10 hours. I guess. <laughs> what? I'll oh. have to see what I say next season, I guess. Like, she watches the Kardashians, keeping with the Kardashians back, and she's like, Jesus, where was I? And she's like, God. I don't remember this at all. Like she like fifty first dates and she wakes up every morning and she has no memory of what happened. No. And then suddenly she's like, Oh my god, why am I trending? Why do people hate me? <laughs> what did I do this time? Oh god, it's so- What if there's actually oh no? Oh no. What if there's actually um good Kendall and bad Kendall? And like one of them was like a twin that they, they kept upstairs and she's been released into the world and she's doing all this mad shit. And then poor good Kendall's actually like, fuck. I have to release an apology now because Bad Kendall got out and pretended to be a ballerina again. <laughs> the whole Pepsi commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Bad Kendall did like did a Pepsi ad and now I've just had to take the blame for it. It's like now you can live while the other survives and, and one day good Kendall will have to fight Bad Kendall to the death. Thank you so much for joining us on episode four of Much Discuss. And next week we will be talking about. We'll be talking about the 60s. Scandals Your eyes were all over the place there. Whoop. Sorry. Next week we'll be talking about scandals from the 60s. And a big thank you to our special guest this week. You stole my thank you. What am I going to say now? Or are you going to say that? I'm so sorry. Girls, stop fighting over thank you. You can't get a word in. <laughs> a big special thank you to our friend of the pod and special guest of the news. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honour, a prize, and a privilege. Did you have fun? I, do you know what? The best time. Liam Michelle can't read. <laughs> Kendall Jenner is dumb and men are awful. Oh, just some My three takeaways this eve. In the words of Tebby Rex, men are trash. In her trash. In the words of Tabby Rex, this is the first person to ever say that. They were. <laughs> Those men were the first men to ever say it. <laughs> um, oh. See you guys next week. See you next week. Bye. Here we go. Uh, yesterday, don't put this in the podcast, but I want you to know I had a very rough weekend. Um, <laughs> and I'm very excited to have a shower after this is done. Stank. Sorry, don't put this in the podcast. Anyway, so. Here's a- Does that mean put it in the podcast? Don't put it in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>